Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dawson Adebayo. I'm Ali Brassel. And I'm Nikki Vandini. Let's kick off with this from Josh. Well, I have to point it to you, Andy. What on earth is going on at Lyon and how long will Laurent Blanc last? More to the point, what happened to my safe space? I was coming here to <laughs> retreat from Lyon. I thought, I thought they were far enough from the headlines with their poor form for, for, for me to discuss them. But uh, sadly not. It's, it's okay, Josh. I don't mind, really. Uh, a lot is going on at, at, at Lyon at the moment. And a lot of it is connected to uh, John Textor taking over. Uh, he'd obviously fully bought out the club through his investment uh, vehicle, Eagle Football, who obviously owns Botafogo in Brazil, uh, Molenbeek, who've just been promoted in, in Belgium and a substantial part of Crystal Palace, although not controlling interest, as he's been keen to point out in, in, in recent weeks. Um, but the, the plan was to leave Jean-Michel Olas, the historic president of the club, in charge. For the um, for the foreseeable, that he had a three-year contract to um, oversee uh, a sort of smooth takeover, but of course, when you've been the boss for thirty-six years, and all of a sudden you've got to dance to someone else's tune, well, you're not going to do that. <laughs> and Olas was really obstructive to the way they wanted to to do things, and so really, I. I, th- I think Textor has, has, has got it in the neck for the timing of when they 
got rid of Jean-Michel Olas as, as president towards the end of last season. It was something that profoundly shocked the players and the staff at the club. But they did it in a nice way, didn't they? They didn't sort of just say clear off. They gave him the respect of the time they'd been there, as I recall. They did, but it was quite an abrupt departure. So even if the fans gave him the respect and the love, as you quite rightly point out, um, there was a feeling that with a couple of games of the season left and something to play for, Textor could have dealt with it a, a little bit better. Um, and a lot of focus has been on the way that the club has has been run by its, its, its new, mainly US owners. So, especially with what's happened to them this summer, because the DNCG, which is the uh, French Football Financial Control Board, they've put a limit on uh, Lyon's salary um, base. So what that means is basically is, is one in, one out. Now, they've theoretically got the money to buy players, but they can only replace them with the salary they, they, they get rid of, which is a, a problem for them as they want to strengthen the team, obviously. So what they had to do with Duye Chaleta Sar, for example, arrived from Southampton. They've signed him on an initial loan deal rather than a, a permanent deal simply because what they can do is they don't have to add to the salary bill. They are paying Southampton a loan fee so Southampton pays wages for the season. <laughs> Okay. That's that's their yeah. way around mm. that, and so any, anyway, because um, the budget was rejected a couple of times by the DNCG, I think it's easy for Olas to snipe from the sidelines and for other people to say, "Look, this they they're culturally not ready for um, for French football, and that they don't understand it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And and that might be true to a certain extent, but what we can't get away from is. Jean-Michel Olas, despite having a huge effect on French football and a hugely positive effect on on French football and on Lyon and on French women's football, of course, he he brought women's club football into a different dimension with the building of the Lyon team. Not just the investment, but the respect he showed women's football, I I think should should never be forgotten. But in terms of the men's team, he's run them really badly for a few years and he's thrown other people under the bus for for his mistakes. He fell out really badly with Juninho, the, the the best player in the history of the club, who he made sporting director when he had no qualification to do that. Of course, he got Bruno Guimaraes and Lucas Paquetar on board with his Brazilian connections, but he didn't really know how to do the job. And I, I, Olas said afterwards, what a terrible job Juninho did. And he's just like, well, who appointed him? You <laughs> just appointed him because he was a, he, he was a big name. So look, it's... An interim situation, it's a hell of a mess at the moment. Obviously, it means there's no new blood on the pitch. Now, Laurent Blanc, he obviously said after the 4-1 loss to Montpellier last weekend, which was horrendous, by the way. It was a dreadful performance. So they've lost their first two games now? Yeah, they have. First time they've done that in 57 years. Um, and uh, Laurent Blanc's quote is, that has been focused on, in on was um, when he was asked by the interviewer, what, what, what do you need to do to get out of this situation? He said, Change the coach. Mm. And he, he loves sarcasm. He's not very good at it. <laughs> um, I, I, I wonder how long he will last because we talked about the network. Um, Bruno Large is lurking in the background, the coach of Botafogo. They might bring him in at some point. Blanc's a strange case to me because like, he had obviously the successful time at, at PSG and I, I just sort of feel like that, that time got cast favourably because of 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 managed him after him. I know he was successful at Bordeaux before, but he, he feels like one of those 
names from a previous era now. I don't I don't know what he's it's like still... Terry Venables at Middlesbrough sort of vibes. Yeah, that's a really nice analogy. Although yeah. Terry Venables never had the image that was the enduring image of him kissing uh, the bald forehead of one of his uh, uh, his fellow players, did he? No, Laurent I mean that, that's 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 the nice side of Laurent Blanc. Oh, before, is that the nice side? B- b- before you get to you know <laughs> okay. the other stuff, French captain. Uh, this one from JD Cameron mm-hmm. directly to you, Nikki. <laughs> what are Fiorentina's prospects looking like this season after significant improvement in the last couple of seasons? And also, can they hold on to Vincenzo Italiano as their coach? At this stage, I would think so. The, the transfer window is heading to a close. The, the big clubs that needed new managers have gone and got them. Whether or not he'll still be there um, at the end of the season, I suppose there's always the chance of a Graham Potter-esque changing mid-season. But I, I, I think they've they've got him for now. And, and I think it's brilliant for them that they've got him for now. And as long as he's there, I think I'll see their prospects quite brightly. They obviously started the season fantastically scoring four goals. Uh, the fact that they did that without Sufyan Amrabat, who was such an influential figure for them in their run to the Europa Conference League final, his future still up in the air. Manchester United have been sort of knocking on his door all, all summer, but from the from the looks of it, really just haven't been willing to put up the, I think, not unreasonable amount that's being asked, about 30 million euros. Um, when you look at what is being paid for similar profiles of of defensive midfielders I think I'm, I'm really surprised they haven't been willing to go to that I don't know if it's because of injury concerns but in any case for now he's training apart from the Fiorentina team and you think well that's a big loss one of the absolute nailed on starters for you last season and yet um, in the meantime uh, starting the season Marta Melo who they've brought in immediately sort of looking like a player we haven't seen in years certainly better than he, he did um, when he was at Juventus in Serie A um, I really like the signing of Nzola up front um, in terms of just a, a, a player that Italiano's worked with before, um, perhaps a better fit for him than Arta Cabral, who's leaving up front. I, I, I think the prospects are good. I think there's still a, a very clear talent gap between what they've got and the real front runners in City. I don't think you can sort of look at that team and go, right, that's on a par with Inter or Napoli or, or Juventus but is it good enough that it can great crash the top four I, I think they if you ask me today uh, I, I see no reason they can't finish above for instance Lazio, who finished second last season but have, have lost Sergei Milinkovic Savic in the meantime I, I think Vincenzo Italiano is, is a brilliant manager and and as long as he's there like I said their prospects are going to be good in terms of Amrabat what is it with his relationship with Fiorentina? Because he's been outstanding mm. in a lot of big games for them. As, as you said, he's the ultimate big game player in, in, in many ways. He's brilliant for Morocco during the World Cup. And there'll be a lot of fans looking at him thinking, a lot of United fans and Liverpool fans looking at him thinking he can really improve us. But he's got a funny old relationship with Fiorentina, hasn't he? I mean, he, he, he struggled to get in the team when he initially arrived. Mm-hmm. He eventually got there. And then he had this. It, it seemed like his his move that didn't happen in the winter window quite counted against him. He struggled to get back into the team for a couple of months after the World Cup. Yeah, it was it was strange. I think there was almost this sort of expectation that that World Cup was a natural parting of ways, and and he was so good at the World Cup. I think there was a feeling that this is the moment to cash in while he's at, at the peak value. And then, as you said, it didn't happen. Obviously, he was still very much reintegrated for the end of the Europa Mm. Conference League. Um, 
run, but it, it does feel like everyone has been ready for it to happen for half a year. And now this entire summer transfer window and um, what I've sort of um, heard is they've kind of turned around to him now and said, look, well, I think this was actually put out there by Italiano now as well. Um, this either needs to happen or not happen. And the end of this week is this notional deadline. If it's if it's not done by then, suck it up and, and get involved again, basically. But it, it does feel like both parties have been ready to move on for a while. And I, again, I said it a few minutes ago, I, I'm really surprised that no one's willing to pay what seems to me a not crazy amount of money. In the summer when Declan Rice costs 100 million, I think 30 million for Amrabat is a bargain. But Fiorentina, early days yet, are top of the league. So I think it's safe to say they're going through a purple patch. Hey! <laughs> I've waited years to say that. This... Got to get it out of the way in case they lose game number two. <laughs> You're absolutely right. If not this podcast, then when? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This one from Owen. Um, I'll direct it to you, Andy. What impact could Endo, the brilliant Japanese player, have at Liverpool? Is a short-term fix or is he a long-term improvement on Henderson stroke Fabinho? He's occupying their role in central mid- midfield, isn't he? Yeah, and I think you have to put Owen's question in the context of what Henderson and Fabinho did last season, which really was the difference between Liverpool making the top four and not making the top four. They weren't good enough in midfield and they needed a turnover in midfield. I'm not sure I was expecting quite as dramatic and sudden a turnover in midfield as as, as Liverpool have have had. I mean, you know, it's everyone out and everyone new in, isn't it? And I think it's been a bit of a surprise to them as well with um, Saudi Arabia coming knocking for, for, for both Jordan Henderson and, and Fabinho. But look, I, I think when Endo signed, there was a, a natural reaction from a lot of Liverpool fans, especially Liverpool fans who are not aware of Wataru Endo, that um, th- this is a step down because they'd missed out on Lavia, they'd missed out on Caicedo and, you know, they go and buy a player who's a lot cheaper. But sometimes the right signing isn't the most expensive signing. And 
Endo's a terrific player. Now, what we already know about him is he's a leader and has been at every level since Japan age group teams when he was when he was a teenager. Um, he's a player who... So in a, that sense, he's a replacement for Henderson then, is he? Yeah, you could argue that. Yeah, and I, I think in, in terms of what he actually is as a as as a player um he's he's on a a positive upturn over the last couple of years he's been absolutely brilliant for for, for Stuttgart and it's just because Stuttgart haven't been a good team that shouldn't diminish his contribution it, you know he scored the goal that kept them in the Bundesliga in 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 2022 diving header right at the end against against Köln um which i think shows so much about him but but he's he's primarily a defensive player. He used to be a centre back, and they've turned him into a defensive midfielder. It was Pellegrino Matarazzo, the coach of Stuttgart, who made him as his defensive pivot, and it worked really well. The interesting thing in the light of that goal is that he got a bit more freedom off the leash, and he scored goals and made assists last season. Now I remember immediately after Liverpool made this signing, me saying. Well, Liverpool aren't going to need him to do that. They want a player who is, is is going to sit, and maybe that's the case. But then you see him come on for his his debut against Bournemouth. He's making runs into the penalty box, and he's shouting at Mo Salah for not giving him the ball when he's on the penalty spot. So I, I think that shows you that Endo's not a player who you can define by what he's done and what he is at the moment, even though that's excellent. And when we talk about that, that 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 calmness that he brings to proceedings and that, that sort of stoic leadership. I spoke to Mario Gomez at the, um, at the Super Cup and he, he played with him at Stuttgart towards the end of his career and he couldn't speak highly enough of him. He's, like, he's, he's someone who's, who's totally reliable. You can hang your hat on as well as being a very talented player. He said, um, Endo's got six kids but he's always totally relaxed and he knows where they all are at all times, which is a remarkable feat for any parent. That's the kind of zen he has. Um, but I, I think that the fact that he has all those qualities, but yet you feel he's still improving and he's still growing bits to his game as he did with that attacking part of his game last season. And it seems as if Klopp, at least initially, is giving him that license with Liverpool, which is really interesting. Have, have really you watched have... any of this Tyson Fury uh, docuseries? Oh, on I've seen a no. clip. I of only that. am saying it because of the six kids thing. Because yeah. he's got six kids. Yeah. I'm not really a big boxing person, so I, I haven't followed Tyson Fury's career. But I've watched a little bit of it. Having six kids, let's say it looks challenging. <laughs> let's say it looks. Let's say you have to own a bus as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not a normal car. Yes. Uh, very. Has he really got six kids? Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> this is from Steve. Are Hertha Berlin in serious trouble? We've been discussing this earlier on, haven't we? Slightly. No wins in the league, no goals scored, five goals conceded. I would say yes in answer to that. I don't know yes. what either of you would say. In terms of the footballing side of it, we all have limits to how much football we can watch. I can't say I've watched Hertha Berlin yet this season. In terms of the financial side of it, it's been a big ongoing story, hasn't it, Andy? I mean, they yeah. had this sort of uh, sale to 777 partners during the summer, but it seems like even with that sale, the financial side of things is not particularly secure. They're still offloading players. There's all sorts of players being linked everywhere even mm. at the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got Dodi Lukabakio who's signing for Sevilla as as we speak, mm. actually, who's been brilliant for Belgium and kind of a bust for, 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 for Hertha. It's an environment where talent finds it really hard to flourish. Of course, we've had Suat Serdar's just gone to Verona as well, mm. hasn't he, on a loan with an option to buy. Um, Luka Tussar went. There's a, a strong sense that there needs to be a massive turnover. You know, they're, they're rocking loads of expensive talent that they can't afford. Any, any, well, any, not in the league they're in. Already no. such relegation. Absolutely. But it, it's, it's a bit of a quandary, isn't it, when you get relegated? You know, do you try and hold on to as many of the players as possible? Or do you look at it as they were really expensive and they all let us down last season and maybe we need a culture change at this club. Now, of course... Is it different from club to club? Sorry to cut you, but that's a really interesting conundrum. I I, I think it is. You have to take each situation on on, on its merits and see if those players are are, are really bought in and will commit to you for the rest of the year. But in in terms of budget, that has a huge influence on it as, as, as well. And when you think of most of these players were bought in the last Windhorst era, now he was the major investor in Hertha Berlin, um, who got rid of his shares before the 777 took over. Mm. Um, and the 777 deal, and of course, they've been looked at by various investigative journalists. They're a sort of multi-club brand, multi-sport brand. And um, they... Uh, there are a lot of Hertha fans who feel that they're, and there are a lot of Hertha board members actually, who feel as if their takeover was sort of ushered through quite sort of discreetly by mm-hmm. by, by the board and that, that members feel that they didn't really have a say in it, which I, I think is more serious than the current losing three matches at the, the, the start of the season, to be, to be perfectly honest. But when Lars Windhorst was a major investor, they spent like 400 odd million on, on, on players in, in, in three and a bit years. And, and they were a worse team than when they started that investment at, at, at the end. So Didn't he also make something, something like a, a, I was going to do the number of figures. How many figures is it when it's in the hundreds of millions? Is that a nine figure or a 10 figure? I can't count. It's many figures. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, that's the sort of loss he made on the, on the, sale it was over 100 million euros i think yeah that's 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 right i mean arguably he could afford to do that Mm. but i mean even since and that should have been starting again you had uh kay bernstein come in as 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 president and um there's just this feeling that even though he's someone who's been a fan for absolutely ages and that's why he was he was noteworthy because he was a previously an active ultra he's successful businessman as well Mm. but um there's there's a feeling that maybe he's quite inexperienced and mm. you've had a couple of board members quit and said and, and one of them said we've um swapped the greedy and the selfish for the incompetent mm. and that's that's a quote that kind of sticks isn't it now they're trying to go back to basics with Paul Dada coming back for another spell of, of coach I mean on the first day of the season he had three of his sons in the starting 11 oh my which, God. which which is uh, quite an interesting <laughs> twist I would wouldn't you wouldn't you family first Dot. <laughs> family first but I have oh. six kids first <laughs> <laughs> good luck on that one mate I ain't going anywhere near done but, my time but, but it, it, it does feel that they need the transfer window to shut to start Fast. all over again now yeah. there, there are significant financial questions I, I, I agree with Steve I think it Initially, it's got to be about getting safe, getting stable, and getting in the, the 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 middle of the table. But you know, on the other hand, they don't want to be Hamburg and 
a massive club stuck in they don't in Bundesliga want to be Charlton Athletic and have back-to-back rele- relegation either. Yeah. Well, by the way, true, the answer true. is nine. 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 Yeah. Crikey. Rather than ten. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were saying because it's Germany, the answer is nine <laughs> to six kids. Exactly. I'm definitely exactly. saying nine to that. <laughs> I could see Nikki working out. I was out like, hang on, nine yeah, children. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you ask the questions I answer. So this question from Ask Namdal, who will be the redemption king of the continent? What a great question. Will it be Alba? Will it be Di Ketelari? Will it be Pulisic? And, of course, we discussed Belotti yesterday, the comeback kid of Roma. Who is the comeback king or the redemption king, if you prefer, of the continent? Nikki? I'd I'd love it to be Belotti. We did talk about him on yesterday's podcast. There's reasons to think he could be. He's going to get a good chance at, at Roma to be the guy unless something big happens in the final part of this transfer window. And Italy need him as well. So, again, the opportunity is there. I'd also really love it to be uh, Charles de Cattelara because I think he's just, he's one of those players who feels like a throwback in some ways to a different era. He's got this, I don't know quite how to describe it. He's got a, a presence on the pitch that can almost feel gentle. He feels, he feels when you look at him sometimes like a, um, uh, a kid who's somehow straight out there in amongst all these, these brutes. But he's got... He's, what, 22 years old? Yeah, it, it, it's not about his youth. It's about the way he looks. There was a moment that went very viral in Italy this summer where he made this move from um, Milan to, to Atlanta on loan this season. So, of course, he signed last season for Milan for 30 million euros, was perceived as, well, he was the big signing of the summer last summer for Milan, was expected to become something important. And much like Bellotti, then went an entire season without scoring a goal. It didn't work for him at all. He's gone to Atlanta, which... You can't ask for a better place to go if you're a young footballer who just, especially a young attacking footballer, who wants to be reminded that football can be fun and you can be good at yeah. it. Because Gasparini is is a master of these things, the the manager. Um, but yes, when he signed, there was this video where obviously during his presentation, someone had sort of asked him to to do like a growl, do like a, Rrr. and he he looks so absurd doing it you know some players could really sort of be intimidating he's not intimidating and tough he's he's um he's not that but he he can be really technically startling I, I think he reminds me in some ways of a of a sort of perhaps unrefined Meza Ozil almost where you sort of feel like he he's belongs to a different game to to what the rest of everyone else is playing um but when he gets the opportunity to do it, he's he, he obviously can be really good at it. We saw it again. He played forty five minutes for um, for Atalanta in in the the opening weekend of the season. They were drawing nil nil. He comes off the bench within about two minutes on the pitch. He has a, a brilliant chance which he uh, puts just over. He then hits the the crossbar, taking the ball off Skamaka's toes, his teammate, and and crashing into the bar. Finally, then scores uh, with a header that that um, was. You couldn't see it had gone in at first because it was clawed out from behind the, the line by the goalkeeper. Um, and that was Atlanta's first goal of the season. So in half of football, he comes on and, and has a really big impact on this game. Looks like he's done more in that 45 minutes than you can remember him doing in a whole season at Milan. So, yeah, I think he's a, a definite candidate. I can't remember the last time I felt so invested in a football being 
good in, in starting to fulfil his potential. Yeah. And I, I think it's harsh to expect him to turn up, be great in his first... It, it feels like Milan gave up on him pretty quickly. It yeah. sort of reco- recalls Johan Gorkuf a little bit. I mean, mm. that, that's, that's different, of course, because Gorkuf was in, you know, competing with Kaká at the time, which is just impossible, you know, mm. when, you're, when you're 21 competing with prime Kaká. Yeah. But... I in think, some ways, the Cudlera was because that was a name that Milan linked into. Or Milan, the club didn't, but a lot of journalists said, "Oh, he's the next Kaká." That's the profile they were imagining him in. Yeah, the next Kaká before Kaká moved to Spain. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, okay. it'll be interesting to see how Pulisic rolls out at Milan, like mm. convincing first game, particularly convincing first half of the first game. And great, great goal by him. I, with with him, I'm. I, I know there's talent there. I'm not convinced there's a star man there, if I'm being perfectly honest. I, th- I think it's really interesting that Pulisic is also in this conversation because, of course, he will end up playing in a similar role to where De Cacciadara was envisaged at Milan. And actually, Stefano Pioli has also got a reputation for developing young talent in Italy, which is one of the reasons why the De Cacciadara failing is, is almost surprising because he has been good with young players. But I think it speaks to identities of teams and 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 fits because I think Milan want to be this very aggressive, in your face, high tempo at the top of the pitch, and Atalanta do some of that. But I think in the same way that Jozebilicic was protected under Gasparini systems in the past, I think Gasparini knows how to get one player and say, "Okay, we'll look after you. We'll let the others do that." Whereas Pulisic, the way he celebrated his goal, he had that. I don't know, that cocky American boy swagger about him that I think fits. That he never had at Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he could be a really good fit under Pioli, I do. I think in terms of these other ones, Aubameyang is, he started very convincingly at Marseille. He's, he's, he's been very good so far. I think the mistake they've made is giving him a three-year contract. He, he always starts well, well, apart from at Chelsea, where none of it was good, obviously. But I, I, I think... He's not going to. That's not going to look a great contract by by the back end of it. If he's still there, so by the by the back end of it. In answer to this question, are we all saying then that it is the Ketelaria? It, it could be. I, I, t- I tell you what, I'm going to throw in a low key redemption king of the continent. I'm going to go for Luca Valschmidt, who has gone on loan from Wolfsburg to FC Köln. I think he's a terrific player. He's been brilliant for Germany at under-21 level. He had his moments with Freiburg. A couple of moves that haven't really come off. Benfica didn't really come off, although he had his, his moments there. Wolfsburg, for mainly injury reasons, didn't come off. At Köln, if he's invested and he, he, he does okay, the fans will absolutely love him. It's the most relentlessly optimistic football city in the world. And to have that crowd in the palm of your hand, I think would be a pretty good feeling. I think it could be great for them. I'm going to throw in Joe Felix just because. Yeah. <laughs> Find him a team first. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Ask OTC. If you'd like to ask a question on next week's show, you can contact us at any time at Dotson Adibayo, at Andy Brassel, at Nikki Bandini, and at OTC Pod. Or you can email us OTC at footballramble.com. I um I could have gone even longer on that um redemption arc one because I was thinking even it's then, a good like, one, isn't it? It's just instead, yeah. Well do some Vlavich.
Yeah. Uh, Juventus, but also Federico Chiesa at Juventus. Yeah. Given, yeah. I don't know if Redemption yeah. Arc's the right, the right way of putting it, but he was supposed uh, to be a superstar after Euro 2020 and he hasn't been and now yeah. starts the season. The door for pretty much all summer. Yeah. yeah. Do you so. not have to blame the club sometimes? Because Chiesa, that's shocking, 100%. actually. And then it's shocking. You could go off that and mm. say, if you want to be really wind people up, well, if those two come good. Is it a Max Allegri redemption arc? Oh, oh, do we want the listeners <laughs> to feel good. But you can't be saying this after we start recording. I do oh, wanna... the recording's still going. Phew, well done, well done. Oh, mate. This Join is going to be... next week on Whoa. Ask OTC, not fit for public consumption. <laughs> indeed, indeed. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 